Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the latest episode of the Going Long Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Neal. You'll notice we are changing up the intro here a little bit. That is because I'm beyond thrilled to announce a new co-host for the show, Jonathan Stewart, Oregon legend, Carolina Panthers pro bowler, and now officially my partner on the Going Long Podcast. Jonathan, welcome on, man. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Um, I don't mean to uh, come in and disrupt things that you've, you've carried the, the load so far, so um you know, it's great being here being on here um it's great to be able to talk about Oregon football again yeah man no disruption at all i'm beyond thrilled to um not only just have a co-host because man talking to yourself for 30 40 minutes on end straight <laughs> is exhausting and really hard to yeah. do so not only just to talk to someone but to talk to someone of your stature and you know an Oregon legend like i said in the intro so uh, we've got a really good show today. We're going to talk some NFL draft stuff, but first I just want to take a minute just to kind of lay out how this process of bringing you on came about and what, um, you know, some of our objectives are going forward. So to start, why don't you sort of walk us through where you are currently at in your career, obviously with the Carolina Panthers podcast, um, then a bit about why you ultimately wanted to get back into the Oregon ducks market as well. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, everything consider, considered you know it, i've been in retirement mode for some years now and um when you play football for as long as i have or it, anyone that's made it to the professional level um it's part of your existence um whether you like it or not uh and i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing um i think you know what i've learned is um you know time away actually grew my love for the game as a fan mm-hmm. um you know, and I've been able to kind of take things in, you know, taking a seat back, looking at the Panthers, looking at other, you know, guys that I know on other teams and just root for them from the stance, from the stance of a, you know, a true fan. So mm-hmm. I'm a true fan of a lot of guys that are still playing, you know, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, um, just love keeping up with their careers and want nothing but great things to happen for them. So I'm actually rooting like a fan, like, Hey, don't, don't hurt him. Get off of him. In the pl- <laughs> Get off of him. He, like, I know what that is. You guys are trying to twist the ankles on the, underneath the pile or, you know, just, you know, <laughs> just, you know, really, you know, invested um, into the game from a fan's po- point of view. So, you know, now that I'm like listening to podcasts and listening to, you know, sports center, you know, guys like Ryan Clark and, Mm-hmm. Um, that do such an amazing job uh, from the player's vantage point. Um, it, 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 you know, got has you know gotten me more interested into this space, um, being able to communicate and articulate and share my, um, you know, you know my vantage point as far mm-hmm. as what I see, what's going on in the field, what I you know think is going on in the locker rooms um, with the listener. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and especially given, you know, the things that have taken place for the Carolina Panthers, um, the last three years, um, there's probably a lot of questions and, you know, and I hopefully, you know, from that, you know, that angle, 
um, the Carolina Panthers have found some answers, but it's mm-hmm. been a learning. It's been a learning experience for me being able to talk about football and talk in a way that, you know, invites the listener, not, mm-hmm. you know, automatically, you know, threatens their, you know, ability to know the X's and O's, but being able to articulate it and get people, you know, excited about the game of football, because that's what I've learned through all this is I became a fan and understanding what fans go through on Sundays and on game (laughs) days. um, I feel like I'm one of them now. And so Uh being able to talk from the fan and, you know, my career that I've had at the college level and at the professional level, I feel like I have some things to offer. And so, absolutely. Uh, and, and so now with Big Ten, you know, um, you know, introducing University of Oregon next year, um, just seeing how you know the games are going to be shifting towards the East Coast now. So I'll be able to actually watch a lot of these games without falling, uh-huh. falling asleep at night. Um, like I have been. And so that's, that's gotten me even more excited about talking about football. And so now that, you know, this is all happening, we, we had a fantastic season last year with Bo Nix. Um, the transition for me is how can I, you know, get ahead of things and present myself an opportunity down the road, you know, Mm -hmm. with the content needing to be created for the listeners and the fans, uh, from the collegiate standpoint for University of Oregon. And so that's basically kind of, you know, what, you know, streamlined this. Um, you know, luckily I've been doing stuff with Believe for two years now, and I've listened to your podcast um, several times and love what I hear. And I love how you do things on this show, um, and, and which is just very uh, centered and it's very mm-hmm. structured, um, but also... Um, informative, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So bringing me on board, we'll get a little bit of the, the loose egg. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for that. So, so now we'll be able to go, you know, left or right. And some days yeah. left might be, Oh, where did we go? We started, we started with a, a whole plan and prog- you know, program, <laughs> but now we're on the right side and whatever. But, um, but it should be well, interesting. We've got a full off season coming up, so we'll see. How oh yeah, left <laughs> yeah, it'll be, there'll be a lot of left because my brain uh, takes a lot different um, than probably what <laughs> a lot of people are used to, and so this is going to be fun, and I'm excited to be able to you know create an element um, on your show and and be a part of this. So, let's go well done, Ducks. thank you, I appreciate that. Um, you know, one thing that I always kind of envisioned for this podcast is I wanted it to be different from others. I didn't want to just be, you know, a reporter that's just breaking down the games and kind of just, mm-hmm. you know, reciting the news. And so I've I've always had to try, you know, different to have different guests on, whether it's Joey Harrington, Jeff Schwartz, you until a few weeks ago. So the fact bringing you on now, it just kind of elevates that because, you know, what you're able to, you know, to bring as far as a Rolodex yeah. of former NFL players, former ducks. I mean, it's just kind of crazy. Um, just yeah. the, the spaces we could get to. And so, um, while that's, doesn't say there's some very good podcasts that, that cover the ducks. I think that just bringing you in just kind of makes us a little bit different from the fold. And the two of us have a, a dynamic of an Oregon legend who played inside Otson had a long successful NFL career and could break things down from an X's and O's standpoint. 
um, and give us kind of the the perspective of someone who played while I can bring the knowledge of, you know, a journalist who's in Eugene, boots on the ground, mm-hmm. at practices, at games, talking to coaches, players, um, you know, talking to people inside the program. So um, that's just something that's how I kind of see this podcast going forward and how I think we're going to grow, which, like you said, um, these next few months, the offseason will be pretty fun as we kind of find that dynamic and find our niche and all of this. But I think mm-hmm. the sky's the limit for this. I'm really excited about the possibilities that it brings. Yeah, same here, man. I know the one thing that I will be asking you a lot as we go forward, and it's something I already asked you a few weeks ago when we talked when you were a guest, is how much does this really matter to someone who's playing in the game? A couple of weeks ago, we talked about bulletin board material and the fact that you know fans and media members love it, and they talk about it. They think it's such a big deal. I asked you, I was like, how much, how much does that really matter to the guys in the locker room? So that I feel like is kind of the central question of what I'm going to try and get back to over and over again is just talking about things and say, you know, how much does this really matter to someone who actually played? So um, I think that's one of the things that you can really bring to us as well. Oh yeah. And, and so that way there's no, um, you know, wondering and, and guessing games as far as, you know, people's approach and, and care for the game. You know, I think a lot of people look out, out, look at outcomes that, you know, might not go their way as a fan and they're like, Oh, do they care? Of course they Mm -hmm. care. Everyone cares, but you know, there's a lot more that goes into it and it's called variables. Everybody pay attention to the variables and respect the variables. Mm -hmm. So a bit of a clunky transition here, but I want to give our listeners a chance to get to know you. And that sounds, you Mm -hmm. know, stupid. Obviously any real duck fan knows who Jonathan Stewart is, but I want to quickly break down your career after Eugene and after the Ducks. You were drafted in the first round, uh, pick number 13 in 2008. You played for what, 10 years? Yeah, 10 years in Carolina and one year. uh, Okay, so 11 total, one with New York. Um, You were named to the Pro Bowl 2015. Uh, When you look back at your career, what are some of the most memorable moments or favorable or favorite seasons? I'm assuming 2015, that uh, Super Bowl run probably was at the top there. Yeah, definitely the um, the Super Bowl run 2015. Cam, you know his energy and his excitement for the game, um, and how he really changed the culture of you know the NFL. In my opinion, um, what you see today is a product of Cam, you know, going out of his way to you know put his brand out there um, mm-hmm. in representation of himself and and his family, um, and so. You know, that was a special year. Um, you know, if you are a person that has been to Carolina, um, you know, since 2015 and you've run again, you've come across a Panther fan, um, you know, everyone always reminisces and says, man, what a time to be alive, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it really was a special moment in, in you know, the franchise's history. Um, it was fun, you know. Uh, it didn't end the way we wanted it to. Uh, it took me about two years to really kind of get over that. I think I don't think you'll ever get over a Super Bowl loss, mm-hmm. but you'll deal with it in different ways. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm in the season of grateful. Um, you know that I was able to be a part of you know that squad and share so many memories with so many teammates and um, fans and stuff like that. So. Uh, yeah, 2015 is easy, 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 easy. Best season of my career, 
Um, before you before you continue, I have to apologize and say that I was born in Colorado and grew up a massive Broncos <laughs> fan. Oh, jeez. So, <laughs> oh, my goodness. I know. I, uh, well, I feel like we might be at odds going forward on that 2015. Yeah. I also remember it well. But for you should have told me about that. I wouldn't have done this. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have done that's this. Why I waited until um, the contracts were signed and everything. You oh, jeez, man, Zach, come on, man. So, <laughs> do you? So, so you're a Bronco. What is? What do you guys? Let's ride. Is that the thing? Oh God, please no. I was uh, not a fan of uh, Russell Wilson. I obviously because that Super Bowl hurt me pretty badly. Yeah. Because being in the Northwest, you mean you got a lot of Seahawks friends, and so I got a yeah some ridicule among the friend group for that one. So no, I'm yeah. I'm pretty happy that we are moving on from Russell Wilson. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> at the end of the day, we'll let that one slide until the okay. season starts. Um, uh-huh. But uh, yeah, that was that. That was a Cotri caught the ball. I just want you to know that. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, he caught it. <laughs> that was a catch. So I was going to ask um, you to name some of your favorite coaches, but when doing research for this, I realized you only played for two coaches: John Fox and Ron Riviera, right at Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean. Uh- it's hard to pick favorites, but I mean, how did those two impact your career differently? You know, I think they're both great coaches. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think Coach Fox, you know, the way he went about his business was, you know, um, we're here to work. Mm-hmm. And anything that you have going on outside of this building, um, handle it, but don't bring it in. Okay. And, you know, I think he, you know, he represents, you know, the, uh, you know, the coach that was before the days of uh, no more two days. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. So like the pre change up there um, mm-hmm. for the NFL. But um, but great coach, um, you know, you know, he, you know, he would always come up to you and make sure that he um he always come up to you and make sure that you you knew that he knew that you were in the building, Mm -hmm. but he would also feel no shame in leaving a conversation without saying bye. (laughs) So if you, so if you know a person that's like that, that's coach Fox and he means all business. Um, And that's one of the things I respected about him. Um, Never too high, never too low um, unless he was pissed as every coach would be. Um, and then, uh, you know, he always had this one saying, which was, it is what it is. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And, and, and it kind of just, you know, it's a reminder that you can't control everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the things that made him such a good coach is, you know, he wasn't really, you know, about putting his hands in things that um, he wasn't the best at. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes a good, co- uh, in my opinion, that's what makes a good head coach um, is being able to delegate and trust the assistant coaches around you. Uh, coach Rivera, though, um, he was, you know, he, he was a different caliber. He's a player coach. He's a guy mm-hmm. that played the game. He's a guy that understands the players in the locker room and what's going on at home, you know, and he's understanding that, hey, look, you know, one of the things that he always says, God first family, and then football. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I learned about him was priority, you know, what's your priority, you know, and how do you structure things and and what's important to you is important to the organization because you are a part of the organization. 
And so there's a lot of, you know, relational um, things that I've learned through the professional aspect of the NFL uh, through Coach Rivera that I still take, you know, to heart to to this day. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, things like control your inner ape, your attitude, your preparation and your effort. And so those are the only, those are all the things that you can control um, when you're going about your business, when you're going about your family, when you're going about, you know, you know, meeting strangers like in the, in the parking lot. I don't know, but like um, you can control the things that are within your grasp. And again, Coach Fox had similar um, messaging, which was control what you control. <laughs> and so, but. You know, I think it's cool just to be able to see, you know, two coaches that are great stature, um, two different backgrounds, um, and, and being able to lead a group of men to Super Bowls is pretty special because both of them, you know, Coach Fox obviously won Super Bowl, lost, and mm-hmm. Coach Rivera, um, 2015. So. Mm-hmm. So what's life been like for you? I know you talked about this a little bit earlier, but what's life been like for you after football? How was that transition from, you know, playing for the what first 30 odd years of your life to deciding to hang up the cleats and kind of how is that, how's that impacted your day-to-day basis? And then kind of how, what's the downside? I mean, injuries, are you still struggling with? I mean, I'm sure your body is in not as great of shape. You've been banged up a lot in your career. Just what's that everyday life been like for you now? Yeah, so I retired um 2018 and I was able to get a one-day contract with the Carolina Panthers, which was really nice to, you know, retire as a Panther. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was um, you know, a testament on their good behalf of, you know, showing me um, you know, some closure, which was not something that they had to do or any team has to do, but um you know, I, I appreciate the, you know, the respect that they offered as I was exiting something that I've given my whole life to basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my transition was pretty good. I mean, you know, COVID was a year, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, you know, my wife, you know, we acquired a magazine company, um, and so it's called Charlotte Lately. And so we're doing stuff with that. And, you know, a spinoff on a local TV show series that that's called Lately right now. Um, you know, I have a digital marketing agency based out of um, San Diego uh, called The Coast Creative. Um, um, co-owner uh, with my boy, Tony Rapaglia. Shout out to you. Um, and then, you know, I, I've invested a lot while I was playing and, you know, real estate and stuff like that. So my business partners, um, you know, always offer, you know, opportunities for me to learn and grow in the space of real estate. So um, I've gotten my broker's license post COVID, um, a little bit of boredom, a little bit of uh, <laughs> wanting to understand more and gain more knowledge of the space that, you know, I'm so heavily invested in. And then what else is there? Oh yeah, podcasting. And so podcasting. now, <laughs> and so now here we are, um, to 2024. Um, you know, my agent actually in t- 2022, you know, he encouraged me to, you know, hey, just try it. You know, you never know 
what you you might like about it. Um, and at least you'll know if you like it or you don't. Mm-hmm. And so I started it with the, uh, with the Believe in Panthers podcast, um, Desmond Johnson and Skylar Callahan, uh, great guys. And I've learned a lot. I've learned that I actually like talking about football. I'm not really, con- I don't consider myself a talker per se, but you know, when you talk about sports and the things that I'm knowledgeable of, I'm all there for it. And mm-hmm. especially if we can get a little off topic and, you know, throw in some life experiences and some current events, um, make it interesting. And so yeah. it's, that's, what's been fun to me is, you know, being able to follow the Panthers, um, now following the Oregon Ducks and, and just continue, you know, my buildup of, you know, my love for the football, my love mm-hmm. for the game. So, yeah, that's great. That's all stuff that I, uh, really hope we can get it into in the future. Um, let's get into it pretty quickly. Let's take a quick break. Um, and we are going to stay on the, the NFL topic. I want to talk about some NFL draft stuff with you and, uh, okay. current Oregon players. All right, coming back, the NFL draft is still a couple of months away, but we know that over those next two months, uh, nonstop talk in the football world will be about the pre-draft process from the combine to pro days to, you know, everything, just nonstop talk about these guys. Jason, what was your pre-draft process like? Was it a positive experience? Was it stressful and overwhelming? I feel like the answer probably, you know, varies depending on the prospect, but you as a first rounder with an expectation that you're probably going to land somewhere and have a pretty good payday. It was probably a, a decent experience, right? Um, Yeah. I mean, actually leading up to the draft for me, I was actually plagued with an injury. So, oh, okay. um, so I had uh, basically turf toe. Um, oh, that's what you got. A little, 07 against what Arizona? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, against Arizona. Yeah, and so that lingered around for the whole entire rest of the season, and mm-hmm. it felt like, and I say the whole entire, it was probably like what three, four games, but it felt yeah, it like a late. lifetime. <laughs> and all I remembered, I I wore house slippers everywhere I went because that's the only uh-huh. thing that actually felt comfortable back then. Uh-huh. Which they, I don't think they had Uggs, or if they had Uggs, only women were wearing They're them. Brand new, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and you so, could have been a fashion statement, huh? Yeah, I wasn't really about that, but um, but man, it was, it was tough because you know I was actually, you know, projected to go very early um, in the draft, mm-hmm. and so having to hear, you know, through the process of me declaring. Um, and then people talking about my injury and seeing my draft stock, you know, go, you know, from, you know, top 10, you know, top 15, top 30. Now you're in the second round. Maybe you're in the third round. You know, that's pretty, it's, it's pretty um, nerve wracking because mm-hmm. you have these expectations, you know, based off of how you play and what you know you're capable of. But now you have this, this, you know, variable called a, a toe that ain't acting right. That's possibly going to prohibit you from your chances of really maximizing this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it took a lot of prayer, a lot of, you know, guidance with coach cam, you know, really just instilling the confidence in me going forward with the draft and stuff like that. So 
you know, it really comes down to, you know, for these guys that are, that are entering the draft, it's not where you start, it's where you finish. Mm -hmm. And so that's always, you know, been, you know, my mindset, um, not so focused on, you know, what's ahead and what's, you know, what the future holds. It's what am I doing right now, um, to maximize the outcome, whatever that is. And so, it was, it was, it wasn't as glitz and glamorous as, as some people might think because of my personal situation. <laughs> but I will say when I, my name was, you know, called 13th, you know, overall. And I got that call from my agent first. And then I got a call from the Carolina Panthers. Um, and they asked me what num number Jersey I wanted to wear. <laughs> and they're, they didn't have 28 at the time. So I, I stuck with 29. Uh -huh. And then quickly when I got here, um, you know, I made a, I cut a deal with Quentin Teal, uh, who was wearing number 28 at the time, defensive back. And so, um, yeah, the rest is history, man. It was, it, it was a, it was a special moment at the house with my family and friends, kept it nice and, you know, quiet and light mm -hmm. because I was in a walking boot because I had surgery. Ooh, yeah. mm -hmm. And so in a walking boot, hopefully I get drafted and hopefully I'm not a dud. So <laughs> it worked out. What did it uh what did it cost you to get twenty eight? What did you have to pay him? Uh, I think twenty grand. Okay. That's it went, it went too you bad. You got your number. That's <laughs> not too yeah, bad. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. I've been through I've been number twenty eight since since I was in high school. Yeah. So, yeah, you needed um, it. Um I need I needed to keep it going. So what I want to do here is I want to handpick our places for, for our favorite places for Oregon players to land. So there's thought to be around, you know, seven former ducks who will be drafted this year. There could be more, it could be fewer kind of depending on how it goes, but Bo okay. Nix, Bucky Irving, Troy Franklin, JPJ, Brandon Dorless, Kyrie Jackson, and Evan Williams. Let's go through that list. And based on fit scheme, playing style, just kind of overall vibes, pick where you would want to see them get drafted. It doesn't have to be round specific. Um, just kind of in a perfect world, what team would you want to see this player land with? Sound good? It sounds great. All right. So go ahead and start us off. Bo Nix, where do you want to see him land where you think he could have the best career? Uh, Bo Nix, to me, uh, depends on what they do down there in Arizona. Um, okay. You know, the Cardinals. I think he, you know given the right opportunity, um, if they stick with Kyler Murray, uh, which it seems that they would. But, mm -hmm. I mean, I would want him to be in a position to where he doesn't have to go in and start immediately mm -hmm. um, and give him some time to actually develop. Um, not that I don't think he's, you know, ready for, you know, the starting position uh, at the next level and whatnot, but – I think it always sometimes does guys a service to be, be able to be able to, you know, sit behind, you know, a vet, you know, for at least a couple games, you know, maybe one fourth of the season and whatnot, depending on, mm -hmm. you know, the, how the team's doing. And the Arizona Cardinals strike me as one of those teams where you never know what's going to happen with that organization. Um, you know, I think they're, you know, you know, in desperation mode going into next year if they don't really get what they need out of Kyler Murray. Because, I mean, you know, he's, a, he, he's you know, a guy that can come in and, um, you know, really understand the offense, understand, you know, the scheme. You know, he, he, he 
ran, you know, the spread. Obviously, a lot of these quarterbacks run spread, um, RPO action and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know, just giving him an opportunity to just be in a position to actually um, figure out how to make the right decisions at the next level, because that's ultimately what it comes down to. They talk about game manager and, you know, the X, X factor. Um, you got to learn how to manage these games at the next level. I think for me, I would love to see Bo end up with the Los Angeles Rams and for that same reason, kind of sit behind Stafford for a little bit. I just really want to see him with a really solid offensive coach. And I think you get that with Sean mm-hmm. McVay. Um, you yeah, know, he agreed. seems like the the NFL version of like a Will Stein or a, a Kenny Dillingham. He's kind of got those play calls. You know, he's going to scheme up something for his quarterback. Um, yeah. I've also seen a lot of mock drafts that have Bo going to Sean Payton and the Broncos, which as a Broncos homer, I would absolutely love. <laughs> I think that. Yeah, fun. yeah. That's a situation where he probably has to start right away. And it's like, yeah, I, I agree with you. I'd rather see him sit for a little bit and just kind of go the Jordan Love route. Maybe not that long. But, you know, just sit for a little bit and get his feet wet. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the quarterback position is hard as it is. And people, you know, (laughs) I mean, they throw pots and pans at these guys for not performing well as rookies. Um, Yeah. So I just I I want him to be able to come into a situation um, to get his mental bearings first. Bucky Irving, where do you want to see him go? Uh, the Buckster, you know, I see him kind of going and he, he can, I mean, there's really not like a, you know, a true need, I would mm-hmm. say, but I can see him, you know, someone like the Patriots u- utilizing mm-hmm. him, um, kind of like they've done in the past with, uh, like a what's James his name? White type. Yeah. James mm-hmm. White. Um, you know, guy that can catch out of the backfield, be in space, make guys miss, um, all of those things, right? Um, I'm trying to think who else. Depending on what they do with Austin Eckler this offseason, mm, I can see fun. I can see a situation. With Herbert, you know, yeah. Be um, because I know they they paid Austin, you know, a pretty penny last year. I'm just depends on how organization feels, you know, about you know, the production of the team in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and what kind of heavy lifting they have to do in the off season, um, that can be an opportunity for him as well. I had him with the uh, the Cardinals or the Packers. I think that he would be a really nice complement to someone like James Conner, who's more of like a big bully ball type type back now. Um, oh yeah, and someone like in the Packers, I think he would complement Aaron Jones well too. And I really like what Jordan Love's doing and kind of their future. So I think he'd be mm-hmm. in a really nice situation there. Um, oh yeah. I've got a definitive answer for this one. I want to see what you say. Troy Franklin, where do you want to see him go? Man, listen, I want him to go to the Carolina Panthers, okay. <laughs> but he's not, yeah. but he's not going to go be there. <laughs> he's not going to be there. Um, yeah. So I will say, you know, this is a pretty deep wide out draft yeah. in my opinion. A ton. Oh yeah. Um, and I don't think that, I think he's going to fly under the radar a little bit. And I feel like the Houston, everything's going to work out for Houston, basically. Houston, I love that. Everything's going to work out for Houston. And, you know, he would be able to go to a place where they already have, you know, already two quality receivers. Mm -hmm. 
but I think that's a situation where he's going to be there for the long haul um, and he won't be an odd man out. Mm-hmm. And so, which given, you know, the Houston Texans situation at some point down the road here, there's going to be an odd man out, but you see so many times, so many rosters, you looked at the, look at the playoffs, Green Bay Packers had three receivers that could probably be number one, number two receivers on any team. Um, the Houston Texans, the same way. Um, and obviously the 49ers, they have all pro everything. Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to start seeing, you know, where there's weapons clearly available, especially in the mm-hmm. draft like this, where guys are going to go heavy on, on in the receiver room because um, you, mm-hmm. you can never go wrong yeah. with having more weapons. I really think, and it's, I mean, this is not a, a bold statement at all. I want to see him with the Chiefs. I want to, you know, you see that offense and you see the relative yeah. lack of receiver talent there and you plug, you plug Troy Franklin in. It's like, oh my God, I can't imagine what it would be like seeing him catch balls from yeah. home. So I think that that'd be, if I could hand pick a single spot, I would put him in Kansas City. I do. I hadn't really even thought about Houston, though. I think that'd be super fun. Him and CJ Stroud. That could be a, yeah. a really nice tandem for a long time to come. A very long time. Great runner. Get great route runner. Um, everything about his his skills. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah, he's a, he's a great talent. Jackson Powers Johnson. Where you where do you want to see him go? Um, I do want him in Carolina. Okay. Period. Here's the Carolina for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need we all. We have Carolina all these needs. Yeah, we, right. we have all these needs. No, but really and truly, though, man, he would be able to come in and like be a cure almost. Um, mm-hmm. The way he played this year, um, finishing blocks. You know his moving his movement downfield, um, his awareness and spatial awareness uh, for getting the little guys. I mean. That's everyone. Offensive line coach is drooling over a guy like him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that this, again, this draft has a lot of offensive linemen that are, you know, I think going to be taken. And, you know, hopefully someone, you know, doesn't like him as much as the, you know, as the Carolina Panthers do. <laughs> and they fall, you know, fall into a situation where we can get him. But um, I think he, I, I honestly think he's the best offensive lineman in the draft. Yeah, at least the best interior offensive lineman. I think that's hands down. And yeah, I could be up there with yeah. the, the tackles and stuff. And there's there's some mocks that I was just looking at mock drafts this morning. There's some that have him going like early teens. So I yeah. can see him really doing something. I would love to see him in um, Cincinnati with the Bengals. I think their offensive line really needs help. And obviously they've got the other positions offensively figured out. I mean, you got the quarterback, you got the receivers, you got running backs. If they can just figure out that offensive line. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think sky's the limit there. And I think that JPJ would be a really good um, plug and play option there. Um, yeah. Flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, Brandon Dorless. Brandon Dorless. I'd like to see him. With the Panthers. <laughs> no, not with the Panthers. <laughs> we're going to need, we're going to need some uh, I'm trying to think. He strikes me as because he was hurt earlier this year, uh-huh. um, so he's gonna have. I mean, he's got a little up, uphill. Um, I mean, he could fall into the lap of the Carolina Panthers. You never know. Um, he's gonna be like a second or third rounder, I think. Yeah, 
But I feel like he's a good match for someone like Detroit Lions. Okay. Um, you know, I think, you know, they're trying to think about the things that they needed to to get, you know. I think yeah, the line I think their linebacker crew could use some help. Um as far as the Detroit Lions go. You saw mm-hmm. how they lost lost against the 49ers. Um not just not being able to play contain. Um it comes a lot with, you know, that linebacker crew mm-hmm. be able to cover God in space. I had him with the uh the Vikings, kind of for the same reason. They've, you know, they're solid team, but they need a little bit of help in that front seven to beef up. Uh yeah. Kyrie Jackson, where do you see him going? Where do you want him to go? Kyrie Jackson. There's a lot of people that need help. <laughs> yeah, there really are. Um, um I can probably see him. Seattle, maybe? Seattle. I like that. I've got a lot of friends that would love that who are both Duck fans and Seahawk fans. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, <laughs> they would love that. Um, Secondary help, man, is is needed across everybody's board, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Can never um, have enough. Can never have enough. And, you know, I think the Seahawks, you know, who knows what their plans are, you know, going mm-hmm. forward now with the new regime. Mm-hmm. Um but if they're going to do anything as far as, you know, try to build the the culture like they did before, mm-hmm. um, I know that secondary is very important. Yeah. I put him in uh, New England with the Patriots, played along Christian Gonzalez. I just okay. feel like, you know, when's the last time New England missed on a cornerback draft pick? Like, I feel like cornerbacks just go there and they're just good. So I, just I don't good. know. Like, <laughs> exactly. There's, of course, they've got the new regime too. We'll see if that continues yeah. with Belichick gone now. But I don't know. I just if he ended up in in you know in New England, it'd be like, all right, he's he's set. He's not going to somewhere where it's like a terrible like a quarterback going to Cleveland or something. Right. Right. All right. Last one. Um, Evan Williams. Where do you see him going? Evan Williams. Um, again, I think safeties, DBs, secondary. Um, all positions that need depth and he can be, he can, he can end up anywhere. Um, I would say the dang new Orleans saints need help in that department. Yeah. They are already pretty stacked defensively, but that would just solidify, you know, I hate to say that, but if you're going to be a guy that's going to go into a system and, and be, able to like play in a good system mm-hmm. i feel like that would be a, a a smart arrangement well he's not someone who he's going to be a, a mid to late round pick he's not gonna gonna start yeah. day one he needs to go be part of the system and be part of that exactly depth and, and kind of come mm-hmm. up so saints good answer i kind of stole your answer for Kyrie jackson i said the seahawks just for that reason okay. too i feel like you know sticking pacific northwest be part of that culture part of that new regime i think could be yeah and sometimes uh, you're really good you're yeah, sometimes the recipe is right in your backyard, you know, and mm-hmm. and and some players play different based on where they're, you know, you know, sent. I mean, some guys mm-hmm. might find, you know, themselves, you know, through confidence of being, you know, close to home. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think those types of things, you know, especially when you're getting in the, the third, second round, third round, fourth round guys. Mm-hmm. um, being someone that's close nearby, home team, home college, whatever it is, the familiarity um, can go a long way for the organization. 
We're going to get out of here in just a second, but before we do, I just want to quickly promote my Big Ten schedule rankings that I put up last week on Duxwire. I definitely put a lot of hours and research into this. You can find those schedule rankings um, detailed and broken down on Duxwire. I sent those rankings over to you when you had a chance to look yeah. at them. Oregon sits at number 10 with a very average strength of schedule. Um, is there anything that really stands out to you about that? I mean, we know some of the tough games, but we know they've got some cupcakes on there as well. Um, you know, I think it's pretty – I think being average, being in the middle, going in mm-hmm. and on your, your, your debut of being in the Big Ten, um, or I guess the year – view (laughs) 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 Um, but uh you know the toughest game on there i think in my opinion would be ohio state um easily easily. and um i feel like michigan is going to be a completely different team um i think washington is clearly going to be a completely different team Mm -hmm. uh but you know i think it's i think we're we're the college football programs, man, with all the NIL and you know the portal and whatnot, mm-hmm. what we think right now might not be true when it comes time true. in August. Mm-hmm. I mean, these teams that were saying, "Oh, the Washington, yeah, the Huskies are going to be garbage next year," uh, they might not be <laughs> because <laughs> they might their pick- portal window. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they they might pick up two guys that can change their whole program around. And so um, that's what's exciting about college football and what I'm excited uh, to cover this year um, to see those types of changes, to see the development of, you know, these college programs, especially for Oregon going into the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of expectations there for, you know, University of Oregon, um, which is great and great, you know, exposure for the program. And so – you know, I think Ohio State's obviously the toughest one on the schedule, but I'm really looking forward to them playing um, Idaho <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. that can be a because that's a clear confidence booster. Yeah, that's one you need for that's the that's the good first game of the season, not Georgia, like a couple years ago. Yeah, 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 because <laughs> it's been painful to like cringe at the TV knowing that yeah. you have a. a a top five, you know, team that you have to face off against in yeah. the middle or in, in front of the nation and, and yeah. basically say like, Hey, we're university of Oregon and we are a good football team. <laughs> and then you play somebody like Georgia and then, ah, well, especially when you had brand new head coach, brand new starting yeah. quarterback, brand new coaching staff. Um, yeah. A couple things that stood out to me about the schedule rankings. Again, if you want to see all of them go, they're all detailed with biggest games, easiest games, stuff like that. But the number one hardest schedule in the Big Ten, USC. The number two hardest schedule, UCLA. Those are two teams that I don't think are on their way up the trajectory. I mean, USC, we talked a couple weeks ago that, you know, they had the best quarterback in the nation last year and they still managed to be average. So they play. Their defense was poo poo. Exactly. And they play LSU, Michigan, Penn State, Notre Dame. UCLA plays LSU, Oregon, Penn State, and USC. Like, I don't think that they're going to be near the top of the Big Ten rankings at the end of the year because they've got an incredibly tough schedule. Um, yeah. A couple of notable things also about the rankings. Ohio State has the, you know, the second easiest strength of schedule in the Big Ten, which they're already going to be very good. You could give them one of the hardest schedules in the Big Ten. They'd still be really good. So the fact that they get 
probably one of the easiest paths in the nation to the college football playoff. Yeah. And we should talk about the the Chip Kelly hire. I mean, it's old news yeah. by now. It happened a while ago, but I think yeah, still very valuable. What are your thoughts on do you, that? Do you think that was uh, think that was a hard decision for him to go? I don't think. I mean, I think the outside <laughs> fans are probably like, "What are you doing, stepping down from UCLA, going to Ohio State as a coordinator?" But yeah, that anyone was, that, that was knows, an easy, anyone knows that was an easy like decision. That, of course, he did. Yeah, that was definitely an easy decision. I mean. You're going to Big Ten. We already talked about the Big Ten. Big Ten's about yep. to be larger than life next year. And so... <laughs> well, he was already coach, in the Big Ten with UCLA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying, you're going to the yeah. Big Ten, but you're going to be able to have a team that's already yeah. been there and established. And sure. so, like, as far as being part of the powerhouse, you mm-hmm. are now a part of that. And, like, yeah. UCLA, you're established on defense, but, I mean... Kind you're of. still sh- kind of sh- you're you know as far as their strengths though as far as yeah, everything else goes correct. with their you know their development you don't really have much to have you don't really have to develop much going into next year you can mm-hmm. go in there ride the wave and then put your marking on it mm-hmm. and i think that is clearly um an easy a easy win but also too looking at um you know UCLA you know i think they they didn't lose value in coaching either. Um, yeah. And so, you know, Deshaun Foster, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, ex-Carolina uh, Panther running back, um, mm-hmm. Panther great, he um, got the coaching hire. And I think that's going to do wonders for that whole, you know, program, giving them like, a, oh, we lost our head coach. Oh, but we got – we got Foster exactly. as our coach, Coach Foster. Mm-hmm. Like that's great because now you got that momentum, and now you got new blood. You got a new culture mm-hmm. going into an, a new environment, and mm-hmm. that's scary, in my yeah. opinion. So, um, I think UCLA is way more equipped to, to handle their schedule than USC is for sure. Interesting. Yeah, it felt like UCLA just kind of needed to start over. They just needed a fresh start. Chip wasn't happy there. They weren't really happy with Chip. Um, it is interesting. I mean. Chip, well, part of this thing is he hated recruiting. I mean, he I think he wanted to get away from the transfer portal and recruiting. He wanted to go somewhere where he could just coach ball. And that's all yeah. he can, that's all he has to do at Ohio State, because they are they got yeah. a recruiting machine there. They get some yep. of the best players in the nation, and he could just drop X's and O's, which I think is very scary. I'm that's just very point. curious to see what his aspirations are. Does he want to be a head coach again? Does he want to be an NFL coordinator? Is he just happy to be the Ohio State offensive coordinator for the next 15 years because I think that's the scariest answer if he's just happy drawing up these plays for one of the best teams in the nation that's when Oregon fans have to be a little bit worried yeah I think he's definitely just you know all about football from what I know about you know Chip Kelly um, you know I remember when he came in you know the first time I actually had a conversation with him was in training um you know where we ate food. What do you call that? Mm-hmm. Tra- mess hall. <laughs> yeah. Training. The training hall. Food. Yeah. Training, <laughs> a training table. Training table is what we call oh, it. So there you go. There we're you standing go. in line at the training table. I got my two steaks, and <laughs> he comes up. He's like, "Hey, there's no reason why um, you're not going to be a 1500 yard rusher this year." I was like, "Dang, that's pretty confident, Coach. I'm with that." <laughs> sure yeah. enough, that year, uh, messed up toe and all. I was mm-hmm. over a 1500 yard rusher and yep. I declare for the draft. So thank you, Chip Kelly. And I <laughs> hope you personal success, but when yeah. it comes to these Oregon ducks, um, 
Good luck. There you go. <laughs> Let's wrap it up there. Um, I think that was a very good first episode for the new and improved Going Long podcast. Uh, now with co-host Jonathan Stewart along for the ride. Do you have any last thoughts before we end it? Nah, man. This is good. It's gonna it's gonna be a good uh, it's gonna be a good season. Good off season. Um, you know, Oregon Duck fans. I'm excited to connect with you guys and mm-hmm. continue to grow. Um, and make sure you tell everybody about Going Long. Go long. There we go. All right. I've got to mention this up top, but we going forward during the off season, we plan to record once a week on Tuesdays. I will get that edited and posted early on Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday morning at the latest. Uh, once season starts, we will ramp back up to twice a week, likely with a post game reaction show. And then another midweek episode to look back and look forward to the upcoming game. Uh, this is the new venture and we are, you know, sort of feeling it out as we go along. So bear with us. But I think that the possibilities are really, really exciting. Uh, thank you guys for listening, following along. Check out more of my work. You can find it all at duckswire.usatoday.com. Follow me at Zachary C. Neal on Twitter. Follow Jay Stu on Twitter at Jonathan Stewart One. And make sure to check out the Believe in Panthers podcast. We'll talk to you guys next week. Until then, take it easy. <laughs>